tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome to Friday's Tip Today. Alison at the helm with you this morning. Coming up on this morning's show, we'll have Johnny Luby's weekly ramblings. He'll be joining us in just a moment. Also concerns regarding the primary care centre in Thurless. We'll speak to one caller. Significant funding announced for Tipperary. We'll find out who will benefit exactly this morning. Are the I'm a Celebrity contestant pay packages over the top? One of our Tip Today listeners certainly thinks so, and they'll be telling us why later on today. Andrew Luby will also be back with us later on in the show. He'll be telling us what hot what is hot to watch this week. He'll also uh, give us his assessment of The Crown, I think, which started this week. And if you've been watching it, we'd love to hear uh, your take on it and what you've been uh, thinking about. It doesn't match up to previous series. We'd love to hear your views on it. And of course, it's Friday, so our Friday panel will unpack the hot topics of the week. You can contact us, as always, text or WhatsApp 83 or Emma is standing by on the phones on 1800-938-007. Also remember, we're going to give you another chance uh, during the next three hours to play the Tip FM Match 3 game. That's with Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical. Of course, that's playing out here on Tip FM five times daily. So listen out for your chance to play. Uh, just to give you a hot tip this morning, we'll probably do it probably before half ten. So if you want to register your interest with us, do text us now. Text our WhatsApp 83 But of course, just after nine on a Friday, who else are we going to talk to? Johnny Luby, good morning. Alison, good morning. You're in the... Hot seat today. I am. Well, sure. Look, you can only push friends so far before he. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. That's it, but he's good. Johnny, how's the week been? Ah, oh, yeah, today I shot the week, I suppose, weather wise. Miserable, great, wasn't it? Absolutely miserable, you know, but uh, I suppose we're lucky that we have uh, the alternative, uh, the sport, uh, to keep us going. And I suppose if uh, the big one this weekend, of course, is the. Uh, for the ladies, the Mullenhone ladies, uh, they won last weekend a marvellous victory for them and heartiest congratulations to them. Yeah. Drum and Inch Komogi are out as well, so the very best of luck to them. They have a strong team for the last couple of years. They must have took some experience and I'd give them a huge chance at the weekend. And then, of course, Clanmel Commercials, that great senior football club here in Tipperary, they take on the Cork champions. I think I'm nearly certain that game is on television tomorrow night. Oh, great. Uh, you know, and listening to Tommy Toomey, the uh, expert there from Marvel Rose in Tip Town, he said they'll have to bring their pace to the game because when you come into the Munster Championship Games, it's all about a bit of pace yeah. and moving the and ball fitness. quickly and all that, and fitness. And Clanmel, uh, I suppose, they're waiting a month now, but I'd say like they have played many games in between and they must be ready for the fray, so the very best of luck to them. I suppose on the GA front, Kilron McDonough, who had a marvellous year winning the county final, they went out to. Uh, Belly Gunner of Waterford. Uh, 
they put up a fair fight, but Barry Gunnar, of course, are all Ireland champions for the last year or two when they have a fair outfit. It will be a brilliant uh, Munster club semi final with themselves, and uh, I think it's in the uh, in uh, Limerick. Yeah. Uh, that game will be on in a week's time, and of course, then Ross Gray, who won the Premier Intermediate Holding, uh, they play, uh, their, they advance to a Munster semi final, and it's grand to see a Tipperary club advancing. I'd say they're fairly strong this year in that particular grade, so the best of luck to them. Grange Mokler put up a good battle last week and, uh, against, uh, I think it was Billy Giblin of uh, Cork, uh, whereas. Uh, uh, Upper Church Drumban had won the county junior A, but the fact that they have a senior club, uh, Grange Mokler then uh, went through as the representatives because yeah. that's that's their first team. I'm still uh, very bitter about Bally Giblin after last year, Johnny. I haven't forgotten <laughs> it yet. <laughs> of course, Naples children down the road. Oh, sure, stop. We haven't heard the end of it since last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the worst of living on the oh. ball. But uh, Sallyhead, of course, our own club here from West Tipperary, they put up a big show in Clonolty on Sunday last. A huge crowd there, possibly one of the biggest crowds that we've seen at a, a, a junior A final. Uh, they were beaten by uh, Tuller Southfield, so they are fourth team, but they are, they are strong uh, Tuller Southfield when they can bring on Lark Corbett in the last couple of minutes and all. So uh, the, the Reds are all greedy, like they have huge experience at that level. And whilst they uh, Sallyhead put up a marvellous performance, nevertheless, uh, I suppose, uh, well done to uh, the Southfields. Uh, in the rugby, of course, last weekend was huge with Ireland beating South Africa. Yeah. It was certainly a, a tough game watching. I have no doubt that Ireland and South Africa had plenty of sore bodies for the entire week. And I'd say Do you think South a, Africa kind of maybe underrated us going into that game? Uh, I don't. Yeah, you see, of course, South Africa had no eager. Uh, Johnny, uh, could I could I stop you a sec just to move you a little bit? We're we're losing yeah. coverage a small bit. Perfect, good man. Yeah, I think South Africa have no uh, recognised kicker. That's, That's the if, thing. Yeah, and if they had, it, uh, definitely it, it would have ended in, in the draw. But let's take nothing from Ireland to put up a marvellous show. You know, I just feel that the likes of. Uh, um, Johnny Sexton at out half and uh, Pete Romani for the next season. Like I'm on record of saying the whole time that when you're 22 or 3 a year makes no difference. But when you're 34 and 5 a year makes an awful difference. Yeah. And the whole cup will be coming then week after week. So I hope that they are remaining free. Then, of course, they have a big game this weekend, Fiji, and then they have Australia during two weeks' time and then they into the Heineken Cup mm. and then into the Six Nations. So certainly it's going to take its toll. Would you uh, worry, when, Johnny, that maybe we we're, we're coming up to where South Africa are that once Johnny Sexton is gone we might be screwed with, for kickers as well. Yeah. I suppose we're not too bad here uh, like we have uh, Ben Healy who had a big game last night you know I like him actually I think yeah, he's a great actually, player. Uh, he's, I think he's ahead of uh, Calvary you know but uh, uh, Healy has been playing well and well done to him you know and I suppose on the local front in the rugby as well Clanmel had a good win last weekend well done to them Ashley and Nina had a big wins and mm. of course Kilfeekle beat Abbey Field and Clan William won, but one club out there that uh, certainly uh, uh, has grabbed the limelight there is Fedot, who started back rugby. They had rugby in Fedot back maybe 60 odd years ago, uh, and uh, but they started back there maybe a few years ago, and now they're top of Division 2. Uh, well done to them, you know, and uh, I 
probably go over that way on Sunday to see them playing uh, Dunkerton in a vital league game uh, uh, at the top of the league. So, uh, yeah, and I suppose on the, uh, uh, the horse racing front, of course, the Clamella will chase you here at Advertise, yeah. Dave, on Kip FM, and they have the big day on turf the next. It's a wonderful race day. It's kind of a great tree where top class horses from the Mullins and Elliots and all of them. There'll be a big crowd in Clamella on turf day. And again, a sincere thanks to Clamella. They've been associated with this uh, chase for a, a good few years and well done to them. And of course, this weekend, Ali, the uh, Cheltenham starts off, which is really the uh, the start of the winter time when you hear the November beaten in Cheltenham. Uh, I have, uh, this is my first time probably as such outside of the COVID, maybe missing it in 20 odd years. Uh, it's uh, an absolutely fantastic place just to walk in and take in the scenery and the crack and the atmosphere and all the top horses running in uh, Cheltenham and to see the, the Cotswold Hills in the background. It's absolutely fantastic. But things have gone very dear there as well. As I said mm-hmm. last weekend, uh, yeah, a pint of Guinness in a plastic glass. I mean, £7.50 sterling. It is a case of rip off the bloody paddies. And that's it. But oh, they, won't be, they won't be ripping me off this weekend, I'll tell you. Uh, and that and of course on the Greyhound team we have free admission tonight uh, in Clanmel and in many tracks around the country tonight but on Sunday night next in Clanmel they have six huge finals but the biggest one of all is the Monster Puppy Cup final that's sponsored by the stud dog owners there of uh, the frightful uh, flesh kennels and the droopies and of course uh, Sean Burke's kennels there in Clarehan uh, that's a final thing worth maybe five or six thousand to the winner it'll be a Huge crowd in Clamwell on uh, Sunday evening, please God. And Don Maloney, uh, they're a man from Leggingstown Golden or Leggingstown New England, uh, but he's more New England than Golden. Don has a greyhound in Trap 1 in the final, and the very best of luck to him to be marvellous to see him doing it. Graham Holland, they're a well known trainer two or three in the final and the best of luck to them all you know yeah. uh, and that but um, as I said there's free admission there to the dogs tonight so if anybody wants to go on have a look at the crack and the excitement and everything else that's it uh, on Sunday morning there's a coffee morning uh, in uh, the hall in New Inn there it's from the uh, local Komogi club and uh, you get a free coffee or a free tea oh very good and a bone. Now, I said there must be a catch in it. Bosco rang me. Bosco Maloney. I said, Jesus, Bosco, it has to be a catch in this. Yeah, he says, you have to buy a cake. <laughs> so, so they, have all the, they have all the ladies out uh, uh, baking and uh, that and doing the cake so if you're looking for a place to go on Sunday morning from men can bake to too Johnny that was, that was a very sexist <laughs> thing you just said there well I'll tell you one thing I would I don't know did I ever attempt it in my life but I'd I love fun. to see you baking yeah. I have a son who is actually top class as you know uh, by God he can turn out the stuff to bait the bloody band uh, Ali did you ever play that game of chaos called the game of 45. So I did years ago and I can't remember how to play it and I'd love to... Yeah, it's a wonderful game, you know, and it's uh, uh, the pubs at this time of the year, a few of them, they do take it on, but of course, just to get the, the lads to come in and play. And we do yeah. play we we do play in uh, Lacey's Pub in Ballydine, which is roughly between Golden and Clonolty or Dundrum in that neck of the woods. And uh, it's a wonderful uh, yeah. game. Well, with the Bonnev, is it, isn't the Bonnev a great card you'd always be oh, yeah. What's the Bonnev again, Johnny? Just uh, the, uh, it's actually the House. That's it. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the other night, you know, of course, we have uh, we had one lady amongst the eight men that were playing a nine, which can be a great game, you know. And I was going to my play, and I used the word, uh, it was Nell Breen, 
She's a fine old scout. She's stubborn call Mandela, well-known families around the ball and kick him, snap a villa here and all of that. But I said, uh, when I go into my play, Nell, of course, down me. Uh, I said to her, Jesus, Nell, I said, wasn't you quick to get up on me? <laughs> <laughs> she says, John, Johnny Luby, everybody wants to get up on you. Oh, she God, said, Nell. She says, I couldn't let you off, she says, because you would throw back to five. But uh, it's a wonderful game, you know, and, in, uh, and as I said, at many of the points, but they also play the rings. It's big in laces on a Thursday night. Do you, do you ever play the ring board? No, never. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Oh, you'll have to get out more, Ellie. I have to. Uh, what is, what's uh, the ring board? Is that just... Uh, yeah, where you were bored there with the numbers on it and that, and you have rings oh, that yeah. throw them onto the board. Yeah. But uh, definitely, if you're doing that on a, on a Thursday night, you should call to Lacey's in Bellydine and see would you enjoy the, the game of You'll rings. You'll have to no. take me down there somewhere. Yeah. For oh, I, I have no doubt, you know. I was at a funeral last night in Cashel, there, Bertuhi in Golden, the three pubs, there was three pubs in Golden, uh, the, the Bridge House, the Cornerstone, and of course, Tewi's well-known, mm. a well-known landmark. And I was talking to a few lads last night who were waiting outside to go in and uh, we were talking about the great games of cards and the way that they end up, end up in a bit of a row with, yeah. uh, uh, inside in Tewi's pub. And I say a row, just a row at the table. Uh, the questions, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? And we we're, were talking about the players who are now dead and gone and the way that they'd, they'd treated like an All-Ireland final, an yeah. ordinary game of of Kelbs, you know, uh, and at that time there was smoking Tom Casey, Lord Milsonim, uh, would be maybe smoking the pipe, and Paddy Berkeley would be smoking fags. And between the gust of smoke and the whole heart herself to see the players mm-hmm. wink, winking and nodding, but that's for another day. Uh, I suppose the uh, yeah, just to say that uh, I was listening to the creep uh, yesterday to Tip FM where the uh, announcements for the extra funding there for care, Kelly Sure, and I think it was Ross Gray. Mm. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, I love to see care getting it because Andy Maloney is the front man down there in care. You know, he does so much work for care. It's a magnificent town mm. uh, and that and uh, well done to them. But also, uh, it's like everything else I there was somebody there on the news they were saying about there's some bit of a march or a protest on today and uh, the minister didn't agree with it or whatever it was I think it's for child minding I, I'd more that's right, it's for childcare yeah. costs. Yeah. Childcare, yeah. Well, I can't blame anybody for going protesting because uh, if, if the protest isn't done, uh, it is just to let them know that you are there. Remember the grey-haired march a good few years ago now mm. and the way that the elderly took to the streets and they got what they wanted. And then, of course, a couple of years, even only a couple of months ago, if we hadn't protested over the banks, over the elder banks closing, the bloody things would have closed behind our backs. Yeah. We don't protest so, half enough, though, do we? No, so you actually have to let, uh, let uh, the powers that be know that we cannot be walked upon. When I think of, the, again, as I often say, the Bank of Ireland in Keir, the Bank of Ireland in Cashland, the Bank of Ireland in Templemore, an absolute disgrace that they were allowed to close down in the three most popular tourist towns in Tipperary, yeah. and not a whim from a TD or a government official about it. But uh, I'm delighted if the swimming pool, I meant to go up last Saturday, but I got held just as a, a to join the march for that swimming pool in Templemore. Certainly should be given over to the, the thing. The pool is there for everybody to enjoy. And it's not a huge thing if youngsters it shouldn't be a huge thing if youngsters want to, uh, uh, with their parents, to go up to the swimming pool to learn how to swim and the whole lot. It's a facility that's there. It's costing money anyway. 
whether you have whether uh, you open it or don't open it. So you might as well open it up to the general public and let them belt away. And well done to uh, Jackie Kale for bringing it up in the doll and Mr. Lowry and Alan Kelly and those guys guys and maybe Martin Brown and them like uh, and the uh, people uh, on the ground who started it uh, yeah, yeah and the people on the ground who started it Matty like and them all of them, I would have to say well done to them like uh, and that but Jackie was in the the powers that be because they are in office uh, and that and hopefully something will come through because uh, Michal Merton had to kind of step in then and say mm. look it should be okay and, and that is the power of marching as well you're not interfering yeah. with anybody but you just let them know that you cannot be walked upon because if this generation don't keep it going well then the next generation won't have anything to keep going because it'll be dead and gone Johnny, another topical thing from the week is I'm a celebrity. A lot of people watching that. Are you watching it? No, I don't bother with no. them jokes. But no, I don't I'd bother with them. I'd love to see you in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. <laughs> You'd say uh, the minute you yeah. lend. Yeah, I mean, like, the amazing young man in England, Hancock, I think was his name. Matt uh, Hancock, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, he got fired out of his government job for going on it. I mean... Uh, what a silly thing to do to fire the man for going on. That's what I think. Let him on away to hell. Let him make a fool of himself or let him uh, advertise himself as a top-class man. He was just doing it for the... I don't know. No. Be, I mean, does he not have a responsibility to his constituents and not be flaking out Australia? But sure, come, yeah, but listen, look, hey, life goes on, doesn't it? Uh, and that, but anyway, look, they're always... Look, and of course, just like everything else, when you build up a thing on the media, then people will start watching it then because he goes on it then. You know, that kind of... of, of it's all about the power of the media, isn't it? Yeah. And of course, then, during the week, we had uh, the... Part to, I suppose child interference and that in the schools and that or, look listen to me some it's horrific stories it, uh, some uh, unbelievable I mean I was awake this morning there at maybe 6 o'clock listening to this and I said I even nudged herself I said to hear all that I said it's an absolute scandal that it's that, that this has been going on behind people's backs and nobody have, seems to have known yeah. you know I mean it's absolutely frightening uh, and that's where people and, and the shame is these people will never face justice that's the that's, really sad thing that's it Charlie that, that's about the size of it uh, and that's so I suppose many people will be getting ready now Ali, for the Christmas markets and uh, uh, everything else have you so, your decorations up? I have no as a matter of fact uh, I suppose uh, with the cost of electricity and the whole lot you see uh, the, the trees won't be lit as early uh, as early this year we just can't uh, we have to cut back here and there but then yeah. of course uh, by Joe Biden and the uh, uh, Chinese or the Japanese that this world uh, climate change thing outside and abroad and they're throwing yeah. they're throwing money at this that and the other thing they have the biggest countries in the world uh, and that and I don't know how they observe this climate change at all at all and here we are in Ireland here this, uh, the 65th biggest island in the world and we nail in the people for burning turf yeah. I just can't get my head around the whole bloody thing you know but uh, it's like everything else uh, I, I don't think that's what we do here will have a huge uh, uh, influence on it but then again we have to be seen to uh, uh, jump on the bandwagon with the climate change and that. I'm not saying we shouldn't have it but definitely we shouldn't be nailed uh, uh, at the very start you know with yeah. cows and diesel and electricity and the whole bloody lot but anyway I do see uh, the prices have gone down though I think steadily over the past few days I've noticed they've gone down about 4 cent in diesel anyway yeah you see uh, uh, what I'd be wondering is if this war ends, or when it ends, will the diesel come back to a, a, a euro a litre? 
Oh, I doubt, I doubt it. it. I doubt it very much. Yeah. For somebody getting out of it the whole time, I mean, uh, it's sad to watch television there and you see houses blown up in the Ukraine and hospitals and schools and everything else, and the world stands by and watches watches this all. I uh, I think the Russian man is getting uh, uh, enough of it now, but like, it's like everything else. Uh, uh, I I taught myself at the very start it should have been stopped from the from the time that it that it that it took off at that particular time and maybe seven or eight months ago. They shouldn't have, shouldn't have been allowed like that. They controlled the whole thing, but anyway. But the problem then is interference from other countries, which has just driven it on even more then as well. But that's you know, right, Jen, of course. There's no right answer. Yeah, and Elliot, of course, we'll just say that we're getting, the, we'll just say guess, and we're getting it from some other country who are getting it from another country who are getting it from Russia anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like uh, whilst they were trying to tie the news around uh, uh, Russia, the plain facts of the matter is that we're paying for it. Exactly. I mean, we're paying for it big time, but look, does anybody give a hoot anyway? Can I bring you a couple of uh, listener texts actually? There's one listener taking issue with the fact that you didn't mention the Mullinahone ladies footballers win their second Monster Final Championship oh, in two That's years. I, I, I you didn't into, hear it. I thought you did all right. I yeah. did, yeah. The Mullenhorn ladies. I, I even put them up at the very start. You did. Well, there you are now, listener. No, you uh, see, they don't, they don't get up on time. They don't. Another one said, Johnny, don't forget the Brackens uh, who beat Lockmore in the mid-senior final. Brackens done the double. Oh, thank God. I, hey, and they had a fairly good year, Brackens, I suppose. They were a kind of fancying themselves uh, for the whole, and I think it was Lockmore that beat... Oh, it was Arthur Church, I think, to beat him in the uh, county championships. But uh, Brecken's had a brilliant deal. Like, I mean, to do the double is... To do the double is unbelievable, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, absolutely. You know, I mean, like, uh, I suppose uh, there's not too many clubs out there uh, would do the double. A uh, lot more, certainly. They were in Halbrook last year outside of the county. Uh, and that. But... Uh, uh, overall, like to, to win the divisional final in holding and football, a huge year for them, and their day will come when they when they when they're not too far away from the county scene as well. Mm. It's all uh, about a bit of experience and that. So uh, the bingo is, in Golden is going ahead every Thursday night. Bingo, I think, in killing all on a Monday night from now on. I think I heard it on Tip FM, and of course, uh, you have the driving bingo in Gortnoe. Uh, I better give them a mention as yep. well. So Perfect, that's about Johnny. it, Ellie. Thanks. Till next week, Johnny. Have a good week and we'll be talking to you then. Right, be good. Have a right, good one. Ellie. Thanks, right, Johnny. Thanks, thanks. That's the great Johnny Luby there. He was talking about Christmas lights and, and putting up decorations and things like that. And it brings to mind the, the story on the front of the Daily Mail today. RTE have been ordered to switch off its Christmas lights display for two hours each day. That's in an effort to save money and energy in a move that has been branded Scrooge-like. The order from the OPW was handed down despite the National Broadcaster's electricity bill for its annual festive mass display display, which can be widely seen throughout County Dublin. It now totals just over €110, uh, €110 I think, over the uh, Christmas season. Staff were told about the new order in an internal memo, but I think it mimics kind of what's happening in households. I think a lot of people will delay putting up their uh, decorations. I have seen a few trees up, though, around the county in recent days, but I think for the vast majority of people, they may delay putting them up this year uh, just to kind of save the expense of the lights. If you're one of those, we'd love to hear from you. 083 311 or 1800 938 007. We're back after this. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. We were talking about Christmas lights, and Mick says LED Christmas lights use hardly no electricity, same as LED yard lights and bulbs, etc. Huge savings to be made. Thanks for that, Mick. Uh, Also, we were talking about the crown as well earlier. Andrew is going to be talking to us about that and and other things that we should be looking at for on telly. David Intlock Jordan says the crown is one of the best series to be shown on Netflix. Claire Foy in the first two series portrayed the Queen the best and Tobias Menzies as Prince Philip in third and fourth series. It sheds a totally different light on the royal family. I've only watched the first two episodes of the new series but already shows how hard a life Princess Diana had. Thanks for that, David. Would love to get your views. I totally agree with you. I thought Claire Foy was amazing in the first two series. I love Matt Smith as well. I thought he was brilliant. Um, but, you know, what? it takes a while to kind of get used to the new characters. You kind of got used to Claire Foy and Matt Smith for a while and then you're, you know... Olivia Coleman, of course, is amazing as well, but it takes a couple of episodes, I think, to, to get used to the new characters. Would love to hear your views on it. Uh, 083 311 Text or WhatsApp or 1800 938 007. Now, the Tishuk officially opened the newly built Thurless Primary Care Centre last Friday. It provides uh, services to the catchment area of approximately over 16,000 people. The centre brings together services that were previously provided by St Mary's Health Centre and the primary care hub on the grounds of the community hospital of the Assumption. One of our listeners, Joan, was in touch with her concerns about it, though, and she joins me now. Joan, good morning. Good morning, Alison. Good to talk to you this morning. Joan, what are your concerns about this new primary care centre? Well, my concerns are, as you've already said yourself, these services already exist. So there's nothing new there. Why in God's name was our shock jumping up and down in excitement and Deputy Michael Lowry and I'm sure others as well eh, thinking we were getting something absolutely fantastic for Thurlis? No, we're not. We have no x-ray or scanning facilities. We have no mention of a small injury clinic or things you'd expect in a town the size of Thurlis. They have not existed and it looks long term they will never exist. All they're giving us is what we already have. Now, on the positive side, it's good to see the dereliction of a property that was once Sweeney's Bakery, a very viable business, to see that as a viable building once again. Mm. But, my God, why are they so excited telling us they're giving us something we already have? Mm. All they have done is they put it under one roof. These services will close between five and six, like all the GP practices, and they'll be Monday to Friday. This will not lighten the load in any way in our A&Es, which is where the real problem is. Like on the news this week, there's over 100,000 people have been waiting on trolleys this year. Yeah. And billions of euro have been doled out to these hospitals, have not been spent as it was intended. And there's far too many pen pushers people employed when we should have doctors and nurses and medical services. And people are dying on trolleys, in hospital corridors. Anyone that was watching Primetime last night, RTE Investigate, could see the amount of corruption that, and waste of money that there is in HSE. 
There was bribery. There was all sorts of things with the surgical company there. And who's paying? Mr. Taxpayer, the person who's out working every day and paying taxes. They're the people who are suffering. They're the people who are paying for all of this. And as far as I'm concerned, for me, Hall Martin and all his entourage, all it is is a political PR exercise and a means of inflating their egos. And when anybody says anything, the rhetoric out there, which is very annoying to the likes of me and my age group, is, oh, we're all living longer. And honest to God, it seems to me like we'll have to start apologising for living over 65 years of age. Whatever happened when I was young, I was always thought that age was honourable and youth was valuable. What kind of thinking have we now? We need a complete overhaul of a way of thinking. We're kind of gone down that road that I think I, I do blame Mary Harney for it. She put us on this road of primary care centres and centres of excellence. And you're right, when these primary care centres open, and we have many of them throughout the county and throughout the country, there is this huge celebration and a big pat on the back of how well we've done that we've consolidated all of these services into one area. Yes. But is it is it coming at a loss in other areas? And that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? It is, of course, certainly. That's exactly what it is. Oh, it's an absolute PR exercise is all it is, and a waste, a total waste of money. Money that could be put in to proper A&E, put into doctors and nurses. Forget about the pen pushers. There's far too many of yeah. these people, and there's so much white-collar crime in everything in Ireland. But after last night, we can see it's in the HSE right to the heel as well, to be honest with you. You know, that that really upset me last night. I made a point of watching that programme last night. I didn't night. see it now, Joan. What what yeah. was it about? Well, it was about uh, purchasing officers in different hospitals and they mentioned the hospitals in Dublin and I'm sure it is in Dublin, it's everywhere else. Yeah. And they were given a licence to go out and, and source um, surgical materials and they went to one particular crowd, I won't name it now because I'm, I'm always afraid of libel, and they they just, they were not practising their business in a proper way. They were getting all sorts of foreign holidays and weekends and all sorts of uh, sweeteners to bring the business their direction. And it turns out that HSE were paying more money to this company because the purchasing officers decided, well, we're going to gain out of this, plus the people at the head, the CEOs, etc., of this particular surgical unit that was supplying all of this, they were all creaming off the top of that company as well. Wow. Now, and at the end of the day, there was never anything done about it. The Gardaí had an inquiry, but not no investigation ever took place. So That's I would scandalous. ask you... So and, and we didn't... That, like, that wasn't made public until last night. Yeah, it was. And the only way we got to hear about this was uh, Freedom of Information. Other than Freedom of Information Act, we wouldn't know half of what's going on in our country. And I would say to anyone listening to this this morning, if they didn't get to watch the RT investigate, I'm sure it's on the Plus Channel or it can be watched one way or another, they should make themselves familiar with it because it just shows once more what I'm talking about, total corruption and it's all about political uh, we are great, clap ourselves on the back, big PR exercise, oh my ego is so inflated, I'm such a great guy you know. Joan, to play devil's advocate, they might say to you, look, there are services here at this primary care centre that you p- might have to travel to, to Limerick or Cork or Waterford to get where you can get here, like maybe ultrasound or speech and therapy or something like that. There's no ultrasound there. There's no, okay. 
No, there's nothing. This is the point I'm making. If you look at the list that was publicised and I read it... Yeah, I'm looking at just to, to give a list of yeah. what, what is there. GP services, public health, nursing wound management clinic, child health and child welfare screening, also uh, diagnostics, diabetic, yeah. retinopathy, screening, ophthalmology, audiology, speech and therapy, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, podiatry, dental clinics, dietics, uh, social work, antenatal, psychology, CAMS, health promotion, civil registration. Yeah, they were all here already in the town. Granted, they were spread around sporadically in different areas, including St. Mary's Hospital, of the assumption. But, you see, like, why why not bring us something we don't have? Yeah. What are we, why? This is why. What are they jumping up and down about? Will somebody answer me? I'd love if somebody would come on here and say, like, Joan, you're talking through your hat here. We didn't have any of these. We did have all of those. They all existed. They might have existed in different areas. And like bringing them all together, it's not like as if one particular individual is going to need all of those services. So by putting it into one building, it's going to save them going around from one place to the other. It's not. It might save them a bit of diesel or petrol. But how many people, in fairness, that will go in there today or tomorrow? How many of them, well, they won't be going tomorrow because it won't be open, I assume. But how many people, Monday to Friday, would need four or five of those services in the one go? Yeah. Nobody. Do you know what, Joan? It's great to have all of those services, but can you get into them is the other problem. Well, that's the other side of it. And they talk about a GP service. I didn't hear of any new GP coming to Turles. So therefore, we're working with the same GPs. So all you're doing is overstretching that poor person, that man or woman, whichever it may be. You know, their service is going to be overstretched. If they're going to have to be in there some days and have a clinic somewhere else other days, they can't be in two places. They don't have by location, more than you or I or anyone else on the planet. Yeah. You know? So, and it's trying to I, contact them too, Joan. I had an experience recently where I had a family member who was going for a procedure and this procedure had been planned for a couple of months. And the day before the procedure, we got a phone call to say it was delayed and no reason. And we got the phone call at 10 to 4. And oh when we went God. looking for reasons, we were told nothing to do with me. I'm just in admissions, nothing to do with me. You'll have to ring such and yeah. such. But by that time, offices had closed. We couldn't get anybody. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. And another thing Michal Martin mentioned about, oh, the, the COVID. I call this the COVID card at this stage because they're all pulling that out of the pack when it suits them and when everything goes belly up and when they can't answer a question about what can be done with our hospital situation, the COVID card is played immediately. Yeah. Now, I can tell you, back in 21, Sadly and unfortunately, a member of my family had to go into A&E quite suddenly. Oh, sorry, and Jane. I brought that person, I brought that person there, a very close person to me, down to A&E. And when I arrived, I had to leave him at the door. Now, that was fine. He went in and he did have a COVID test. And that was fine. I was happy about that. And I was happy I didn't want to be going in there myself, to be honest, as much as I'd like to have been there for him. He went in, he was tested. And he was put into a ward with five other gentlemen who also had been tested. But the important bit here, how many had results? Nobody till the following day. Oh, my goodness. So, so if you're talking about all the isolation and all of this red tape that happens with what COVID was the point of it? and people, what was the point? Now, luckily, thanks to God, he didn't get COVID and he was in there for a few days and came home. But... The sad thing here is he could just as easily have got COVID because the protocol wasn't even followed through. Mm. Test, why test him? And then put him in with five other people waiting on the results. 
I thought the whole idea was people were being isolated. There was enough of hype about God alone knows, you know, yeah. and it's a serious illness and I got it myself and I was quite ill. So I wouldn't like to get it again, to be honest. Now, we all have our vaccines, including this gentleman. He had his vaccines as well. But that is beside the point, you know? I, know. I mean, why do, like, and then they're going on the COVID card, oh, because we have to have so much isolation. No, they don't do that. Now, that's my personal experience. Don't know, but other hospitals can't speak for them. I won't mention the hospitals, but it's not too far from any of us. Mm. Just put it that way. And, um, you know, that alone, it's like, to be honest with you, I am more than irate at the way our hospital system is being treated. Our people are being not treated. And the way this ageism has crept into this by each and every one of them. I am tired of hearing about people who are living longer. So don't give me the aged card and don't give me the COVID card. Take your finger out and get rid of all the pen pushers and all the CEOs and all the people at the top of this HSE. When we had health boards, you know, we were doing way better. And as regards these, all these primary care centres, all they're doing is bunching what we have already into one building to make it all look nice and neat, tied up with a ribbon. There you go. Now, we've done that. Aren't we wonderful? And the people of Turles have been very quiet. I've heard nothing. I'm the only person I know of that's given out about it. Now, maybe it's just me, but I don't, I wouldn't think so. I think a lot of people would feel exactly like I do. And if they do, I wish they would be listening this morning and I wish they would watch Prime Time and the RTE investigate last night and see some of the corruption that's going on. Okay, Joan, great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for calling us. Thank All the you, best. Alison. Thanks, Good Joan. Night. And if you have anything to add to that, 83 311 I know Noreen's on the line. I just need to take a quick break. We'll be right back to Noreen. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Huge reaction to our conversation with Joan, who is saying that this new primary health centre in Thurlis, really, there's nothing new in it. It's just all of the the services that were there under one roof. Uh, Just to bring you a taste of what's coming in on tech, Next, uh, Bill says, the first week the Premier Clinic opened in Thurlis, I called in to see, could I see a doctor there? Uh, I knew that there's a team of doctors there with very good reputations, but the receptionist told me, sorry, the doctors are not taking on any new patients. Also, another listener says, we need more people like Joan. She's 100% right. As regards primetime and the corruption, after everything came to light, the HSE gave the same company 11 million in contracts. Unbelievable. Uh, Joe also says, if everything is so wrong in this country, why is Joan living here at all? She got out of the wrong side of the bed. Also regarding primetime, that was originally broadcast in 2016, according to the dates on the images on TV. I'll have to check that out. Thanks for that, Joe. Also, George and Nina said, what a breath of fresh air that Lady Joan is straight talking. Um, cut out all the political bull, have her on more. That's according to George. Also, a listener says, agree with Joan when Michael was in town. That's uh, Michal Martin. Uh, three guards and a superintendent were in the square. You wouldn't see them now. Keep those texts coming into us. 083 311 
Uh, now, yesterday, if you were listening yesterday, you know we were broadcasting live from the wonderful Butler's Centre in Dundrum. We had a fantastic morning there. And thanks to everyone, especially DJ and Marie as well, who hosted us yesterday morning. Noreen moved to Dundrum 27 years ago and she joins me now. Noreen, good morning. Hi, Alison. How are you? I'm good. Good to talk to you this morning, Noreen. Sorry, we probably didn't meet now yesterday at all. You're, a, well, they'd call you a blow-in, wouldn't they, to Dundrum? That's it. That's it, Alison. Yeah, but I'm there 27 years now, so I'm like one of their own. They treat me like one of their own. They're so good. That's good. I was always told it takes three generations before you're not considered a blow-in, so <laughs> you might have a bit to go yet. Um, look, look, we were delighted to be in Dundrum yesterday. And look, of course, it wasn't our first time there. We love Dundrum and we love doing the village tour. But could you just tell us maybe what, what was it that prompted you to contact us? Well, it's just that I've been there so long and I've been, always been made feel so welcome there. And it's a great village. We have everything there. And we have the lovely duck ponds for the walk as well to blow off the cobwebs at Sabbath. Yeah, it's stunning. It really is stunning. What was it like and for it you to move to... from Care to Dundrum? Uh, well, you see, the thing was it wasn't that far. So it, yeah. was, it was only a handy trip down to Care. So I made the bike back at home. It was just great. And, you know, the people were always fantastic from day one. You know, and that's been the beauty of the village too. I think it really highlights um, the beauty of living in the small village. That's not to take away from anyone living in towns, of course. You know, anywhere you live in Tipperary, of course, we know is beautiful. But there's just something very special about the small villages and, and rural areas of Tipperary too, isn't there? That, that's correct. As I probably know more people now in Dundrum than I would in Care. That's fantastic. Because Care is just, just has kind of got so big. But I still love care, but I probably know more people in the village in Dundrum. I love it. And it's really bucking the trend, I think, because you see a lot of villages now that have gone really quiet, especially the old market villages, maybe that would have been once bustling. But Dundrum never really has that problem. It's always kind of bustling, isn't it? Always bustling, yeah. But yeah, it's a great village, actually, yeah, because it has so much, Alice. That's yeah. why there's loads in it. Well, it was and great the, to be the there. Duck pond. Yeah, the duck pond is is hugely popular too, isn't it? Oh, usually come out from town and the Cashel and everywhere for it because it's off the road. It's it's lovely, like it's through the woods and everything. Fabulous. Noreen, great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for contacting us. Thanks, Alison, for coming to Dundrum as well. Not at all. We'll be out there again soon. Thanks for that, Noreen. Uh, more text coming in on our conversation with Joan. A listener says, Joan is correct. I'm a nurse working in a hospital environment. Too many chiefs, not enough doctors, nurses, porters, uh, care assistants or cleaning staff. Another listener says, bring the HSC to heal, clean the house and start again. Now, another big topical uh, issue that's making the papers and, and causing huge debate today is this rise that's coming for alcohol. And bar owners in particular left frothing at the news that brewing giants are now putting on a huge uh, price rise on them. The article says that pubs across Ireland are threatening to boycott Heineken after it announced a huge increase on the price of a keg, the largest increase by a drinks company in decades. Several bar owners have said that they've told Heineken delivery vans to turn around, while others are now removing Heineken taps this weekend ahead of the increase, which comes into effect on December 1st. One bar manager 
has written to Heineken to say that he's been left mad and disgusted by the price increase. While a pub in Dublin also posted a photo of all of its Heineken products that it's pulled off the shelves. Now the price of a pint will rise due to a 15 euro increase on the price of a 50 litre keg of Heineken. And this is coming at a time when bars are recovering from the Covid crisis and struggling with energy prices. Some pubs will be adding up to 50 cents to the price of a pint to help cover their own costs. But of course, as we know, this increase it could be more, could be less, depending on the pub. But let us know, will it change your attitude to going to the pub? If you're a pub owner, we'd love to hear your take on it. Are you going to start pulling your Heineken products? We'd love to hear from you. Text or WhatsApp 083-311-3311 or 1800 938 Remember, of course, uh, you can register your interest as well to take part in our Tip FM Match 3 game. That's with Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert We'll be playing that probably before, I'd say maybe 10.40 this morning. So if you want to be in with a chance of taking part, you can register with us now. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to Friday's Tip Today. Alison here with you. Our text lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 083 311 or Emma is standing by on the phones 1800 Now the awarding of the 2022 FIFA World Cup to Qatar created several concerns and controversies regarding both Qatar's suitability as a host country but also the fairness of the FIFA bidding process. Criticism from several media outlets, sporting experts and human rights groups highlighted problems such as Qatar's limited football history, the high expected cost, the local climate and Qatar's human rights record. Several FIFA members have since gone on record saying the decision to award the tournament to Qatar was a mistake. One of our listeners, Peter, joins me on the line now. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Alison. How are you today? I'm good. Good to talk to you this morning, Peter. Um, now, I know, look, I mean, it probably wasn't a great choice in hindsight, but is it going to have any impact on whether people will watch it or not? I mean, the, the true soccer fans out there will still watch the World Cup, will they not? Yeah, of course, yeah. And they'll really have no choice because it will be on every channel that you'll turn on after next Sunday for and a half weeks after that or whatever. So, and I don't, I don't have a problem with um, soccer fans watching the game they love. That's 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 not the issue at all at all. Like my my complaint, my issue about this whole thing is first of all, it was corruption at the highest level from the very very start. And said Platter that came out yesterday or the day before saying uh, it was a mistake. So he was the one that. Give it to him. Yeah. He was the one that went through court cases and got you know because they know he was you know. So like um at least if he had if, if he had the manners to stay quiet, but to come out now and put his saying, Oh, this was a mistake, like it's kind of silly stuff. But overall that's money, that's all that the rest of it. But the human life, the loss of human life out there is absolutely crazy. Yeah, they and estimate uh, that about six and a half thousand thousand workers yes, have died so far. Yeah, that's only the the migrant workers. Yeah, they're the Indians and that. There's, there's if you look into it, and you'll be research on it. There's probably over ten thousand at least in the last ten years since this was um, 
granted to Qatar. So, um, you know, that's a lot of numbers. Like, the 6,500 broken down is 12 a day. Yeah. Like, that's more than is dying in the war that's going on at the moment. And every politician in the country is dancing around, taking on the Russians and doing everything else. Why haven't they taken on their own soccer organisation that will be sending out members to um, this World Cup line? They're yeah. getting paid to go out, they're going to be dined and wined and looked after out there. Like, why is nobody putting up their hand and saying an Indian's life is as important as anybody else's life? Now, they only seem to really be addressing the human rights abuses, particularly when it comes to the LGBTQ community and what soccer players say they're doing to to highlight their um, frustration or whatever it is against those practices is they're going to wear rainbow-coloured armbands. Do you think that's enough of a statement to be making? If they want to make a statement, at least one of the whole team should say, OK, I'm not going. Mm. Somebody should stand up and be counted. Play on Benji Pananche, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So, like, they're down on their knee every, every week before the game. Are they going to go down on their two knees for them, all these poor people that lost their lives to put a stadium there for them to play the beautiful game? Do you know, it's, that's, only, that's only tokenism. That's actually a waste of time. Now, there is one player, although he hasn't really pulled out. He's an Australian player. He's Josh Cavallo, and he's one of the few openly gay professional footballers, the only one kind of playing at the top level of the sport. He said that he's scared to go to the World Cup to play, but that he will still play, though, despite that fear. Do you think he should be taking a stronger stance? Well, I know if I was a professional soccer player, I'd want to play in the World Cup. Of course. I mean, that's what you're working towards. It's not really the players that I have any issue with. Mm. It's the corruption around this. Like, obviously, um, every one of those players, every one of those teams are heavily sponsored by Adidas, Plume, all the rest of them. I don't see any of them making a stance. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's nobody. It's, it's It's all about money. And it's all about corruption. And, like, how many of our TDs are going to end up at this? I don't know, actually. That raises a good point. I wonder well, if they're any planning to there's, go. there's an MEP that claims he had never missed an, um, an, 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 an away game or um, a soccer tournament in his life. I wonder, will he go? Well, if he's paying for it out of his own pocket, would you have a problem with it? But you're out of their own pocket. We are putting it into their pocket. That's and true. the tax man that's, that's, that's putting it in there. So, like, it's, um, I, I don't really care where it's paid from. But, um, like, there are a lot of people being sent out that are not saying, OK, I'm not going because of the human rights out here. The TDs are not, uh, like, I didn't tell Simon Coveney mention one word about this. Mm. Like, and maybe if you are a different nationality would make the difference that something like that I'm not sure like you know but to be fair now Peter could you say that about every country every country that's ever held a World Cup or hosted a World Cup you could say if you go back far enough and in some places you don't have to go far back at all but there are some kind of of human rights abuses perpetrated everywhere yes but but um, the the building of the stadiums the health and safety the, the the control of all of this like it's just it, it, this that's the problem. Like it's at least those other countries, they're human, but the people that were brought in, they in, they, in, they had to pay a thousand euro pounds or whatever their money is mm. to get in for the into this. When they were in, then they weren't looked after properly. 
Yeah, and, and they've all gone back home. Just to read some of the accounts from some of those workers as well. They weren't allowed to leave the stadium. They had to work maybe 16-hour days. They had to sleep kind of on the floor there. They weren't always paid as well. There was one um, Indian worker who uh, gave an an interview to International Press. He said he'd been working there for four months and had never been paid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like why is nobody saying anything about it? Why is our our government or that not saying, look, we have a big problem with this? Why is our taxpayers' money that's going in to pay the, um, the television license with RTE going to be covered with this with this country, showing this country for the next two and a half weeks? Like, why didn't someone of those pundits stand up and say, uh, well, I'm not going to get involved in this because I don't believe in what's going on out there? Mm. Everyone is just, take, 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 and there's nobody putting up their hands saying, oh, to God, it's terrible, but sure, what I am, like, you know, we carry on, like. Do you think soccer fans should take a stance and just boycott it and not watch it? Well, every soccer fan I have spoken to thinks it's absolutely crazy having the World Cup uh, this time of the year. The Premier League is what most soccer fans in this part of the world are big into. Yeah. Now, this is all going to be broken up for two or three weeks in the heart of the Premiership. There are players going to come back injured. They're out there in conditions they're not used to. I mean, the heat out uh, there is unbearable. Yes. That, like, like, it's, it, it's absolutely crazy. So I have no problem with, in the world with the soccer fan or the soccer players as such. But wouldn't it be lovely to see the like of Ronaldo uh, standing up out there and saying, look, um, I won't, I'm not going to play this game tonight as uh, support for the people that have lost their lives here. Yeah. But I'm sure he can't do that with money because it was like the time he took the bottle of water and left the can of Coke down the ground so there was nearly an uproar over it, you know. Huge, so, yeah. And I mean, David yeah. Beckham, I know David Beckham was very involved in not the awarding, but kind of pushing for Qatar to be to be chosen for that. I mean, sure, where did that come out of? That had to, there had to have been a nice little envelope of money in that. And there's not a doubt in the world about it. There the you know, all that gang that time that were all caught up in this shit. Like, uh, uh, they, they don't even play soccer. Like, they're in it, the World Cup. There's a lot of good teams that fail to get there that are playing on very good soccer teams. But they have a team in there that didn't really qualify. They just got it because they're hosting. Yeah. Like, the, the whole thing is 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 so corrupt that it's 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 um, it's frightening. So I, I just think, of course, nothing's going to happen. But um, it's... To me, the, the gays, the lesbians, they can't even go. Yeah. And just what the law is there, the sex between men is outlawed in Qatar and it's punishable by seven years in prison. Now, homosexuality between Muslim men in the country is theoretically punishable by death under Sharia law. Um, also with women, even though sex between women isn't outlawed, um, but there is huge discrimination there and it's it's deemed being gay is a spiritual harm or a damage in the mind. So, I mean, uh, and then when it comes to women, a guardianship system forces women, you have to get a man's permission before you marry, before you study, before you travel abroad, before you work in certain jobs. Also, to serve as a child's primary garden, guardian, you have to get approval from a, a man in your family. But it, it's funny how nobody, like you said, nobody who's, you know, a pundit or a player is really speaking out about it. No, no. And uh, only of that, have you said that in the like, I don't think I, so. I, no, I don't understand why uh, nobody 
is making a big deal of this. So, you know, like personally myself, it's it's a topic, it's a subject, it's something I'd have views on and I'd probably strong views on. But but like there's matches every day of the week for different things. But this is complete discrimination and there's no match about it. Yeah. Peter, uh, I'll have to leave it there for this morning. <laughs> no bother. Great Alison. to talk nice to, you. Talking to you. All yeah. the best. Thanks, Peter. Bye bye. Now let us know what you think. Should we be boycotting? And if you are a soccer fan, you know, taking that into into account, would you boycott boycott it now? Let us know. 083 311 or 1800 Now, as you heard in the news yesterday, over 30 million euro has been allocated for Tipperary under the Rural Regeneration Development Fund. Three towns in Tip will benefit from this announcement made by Minister Heather Humphreys. Uh, joining me now to tell us more about this is Councillor Marie Murphy. Marie, good morning to you. Good morning, Alison. Good morning, listeners. Could you just tell us, Marie, what areas will benefit from this funding? From the funding announced yesterday, it's great news for Care, Carrick and Shore and Ross Grey. Care will be getting um, just short of €12 million, Euros, um, Carrick and Shore €14.4 million, and Ross Grey €4.5 million. So it's Look, in total, we're getting 30.8 million into Tipperary out of 115 million that was announced yesterday for 23 projects. Um, that's almost 20 27% of the total funding announced yesterday coming to Tipperary, which I wouldn't have foreseen. Um, were you not expecting my to get dreams, that much? No. Well, uh, three very strong applications went in from Tipperary. Um, to the Rural Regeneration Development Fund. And that fund is the national fund that commits to spend £1 billion in rural Ireland as part of the Project Ireland 2040 strategy. And I think about £400 million has been um, announced to date for 215 projects. Uh, when Look, the project for CARE, which obviously I'm a lot more f- familiar with than the Carrick and Shore and Ross Grey one, but the project for care started when the care councillors were part of the Clammill Care Municipal District. Um, Councillor Martin Lundgren, who has gone to his eternal rest, mm. would have been part of the process. And um, uh, together with um, Councillor Andy Maloney, Councillor Michal Anglum and myself, um, back in 2018, I met with Minister Michael Ring and Anthony Coleman, who's the district administrator for the Tip Care Cattle area and was for the Clamell Care area as well. We met, met with him to push um, for Category 1, uh, sorry, Category 2 funding, which basically we got that a couple of years ago and that gave us um, the funding to acquire the various um buildings that might be that would be needed as part of this and last year um we passed the care local area plan um the four councillors were majorly active in that and it was open for a lot of public consultation and lots of um, submissions were made but i think we've got a strong local area plan and together with that successful application for Category 2 funding, um, we were able to progress the planning, design and site work, ac- acquisition works for um, a major regeneration in Care Town, which will, con- there's probably going to be three phases of it. And the first phase is there will be a new car park behind what was 
um, the Galtee Hotel, Castle Court Hotel, um, there will be 86 car parking spaces in there and coach parking. There will also be um, electric vehicle charging points. Um, as part of phase one, you will also have the um, new library in care will move to the craft granary. Mm. That's long awaited. Yeah. Um, then the where the library is today and what was the, the old town hall and the council buildings next to it will be um, a new will be totally renovated and there'll be a new business development centre there. Um, which and that was that was in partnership with Care Development Association and they will, once it's up and running, they will oversee the management and operation of it. Um, the Enterprise Centre, which has been operating for 25-odd years in care, is at capacity for the last number of years, so this new centre will be yeah. fantastic for office and co-working spaces and all of that. Look, I suppose it was... Very, Any idea, Marie, what, what the money will be used for in, in Carrick and Ross Grey? And Carrick and Shore... There's um, it. Carrie Conture is going to be. I, I believe there's going to be an enterprise and digital hub in um, a disused building, which I think is the old post office down there. There will be public upgrades, uh, public realm upgrades in the town centre and the castle area, and a new amenity and biodiversity park also. And then in Ross Grey, it's. Um, it's towards an age-friendly neighbourhood for Ross Gray, which is the Gantley Street age-friendly neighbourhood um, to create a more vibrant and appealing place for people of all ages. So it's, I met with Heather Humphreys last, this time last year when she was in, um, in Tipperary. We were at a number of um, places on the day she was around were Temple Moor, Gary Kennedy. I know she was in Camel Tipperary. And uh, I met with her and I was pushing for the CARE RRDS fund at that time um, because I wasn't sure where else, what other applications were to go in. The three applications were submitted in April of this year. Um, and uh, I, through Senator Gareth O'Hearn, I was able to have a meeting with um, Minister Humphreys in June of this year when I was Caerlach of the Council to push the case for okay. um, the three the three applications, which were exceptionally professional applications. And I have to mention Eamon Lonergan, Brian Beck, and the district administrators of um, the Tip Care Cashel area, who is Anthony Coleman, Marie, Marie O'Gorman down in Carrick and Shore, and Sharon Scully in the Thurless Templemore area, mm. that, and the engineers. An awful yeah. lot of work went in by staff to ensure that we would get this funding. And you saw the press release yesterday um, from Tipperary County Council. It's it's fantastic news for the county. The total cost of all the projects in TIP is about $38.5 million. Um, so we need to find match funding of about $7.7 million. Um, but that's an, yeah, another... To, to finalise those projects. Marie, yeah. thanks for telling us about that funding this morning. Thank you very much for that, Alison. All the best. Bye Thank bye. you. That's uh, Councillor Marie Murphy there, uh, a, a cynical texter. He's calling it the vote for us money. Um, also, in relation to the World Cup.
A listener says our own soccer at the top in Ireland was the most corrupt organisation, so why would we expect anything less from FIFA? Also, another listener on WhatsApp says, I would agree to boycott the World Cup. Don't get me wrong, I love my soccer, but it might show the powers in soccer that they can't do what they want. Also, another listener taking issue with what Joan said. Joan was giving out um, about this primary health centre that was opened in Thurless last week. Uh, she was saying there's nothing essentially new in it. It's all the services that are already existing in Thurless, but they're just under one roof and she can't understand why there was such a fanfare about it. Um, she was, you know, highly critical of the HSC and how they operate. And this listener says the cheek of that lady to call a member of staff a pen pusher. What an insult to all the highly qualified healthcare professionals. Let us know what you think. 83 311 or 1800-938-007. We're back after this. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. I'm giving you the final opportunity during today's Tip Today to qualify for a Tip FM Match 3 game. That's with Stakelums Home and Hardware and Stakelums Expert Electrical. Uh, this is your chance to play. We'll be playing in about 10 or 15 minutes or so. So if you're not in already, do send us a text 83 311 with uh, Match 3 and your name and you'll be in with a chance. We'll be getting a caller on, as I said, within the next 10 or 15 minutes or so. Now, one of our callers, John, is on the line now. John, good morning. Good morning, Alison. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you this morning. John, you were in touch with us with comments on the Labour Party. Now, that was following our interview with Deputy Alan Kelly in recent days. What are the points you want to make on that? Well, I think a lot of people, I mean, listening out there this morning would agree that people are totally disillusioned, Alison, with the politics in this country, the way they've gone over the last couple of years, the last two elections, I would say. People have been betrayed and left down. But I listened to Alan Kelly's interview with Fran, and um, I wasn't impressed because, let's be honest, he was predicting like the rise of the Labour Party again. Now, as, as a guy that was shafted himself, and shafted is the word, because we all see the body language. I mean, when he announced, I mean, that uh, he was stepping away from being leader, we all see the people. It reminded me to see a scene out of Julius Caesar, you know, Etu Brute, and all the. Uh, his so-called fellow travellers of the Labour Party standing behind him who had knifed him in the back. I think it was a major mistake to, to replace him. They should have left him there because, like, since Ivana Batchik has taken over, um, she come, she represents a very affluent area in Dublin, Dublin-based South, and very liberal area, like, and... Um, Still on She's feet. just been quite silent on it, I, I find. I mean, you know, Alan Kelly, to be fair to him, was always very um, upfront and at the fore when it came to, to, to controversy mm. and almost, yeah. for for a time was almost maybe the main opposition leader for a time in this country. Well, well, that, and that, now Labour's completely he, fallen back. He, he got the nickname AK-47. Uh, now they're at 3% and not moving, like, and here's the prediction, they won't move. The days of the Labour Party are finished. You must remember that this is a party, like, I mean, the famous quotation for naming Gilmore, the Din leader, said, it's not Frankfurt's way, it's Labour's way. And then when they got into poor Alison, then look what they've done. I mean, uh, you had a household charge was brought in, uh, which morphed into the property tax that were no saddled with, right? There was a VAT increase, there was carbon tax, the motor tax. Um, fuel allowance was reduced from 32 weeks to 26 weeks. 
Um, and then, of course, to top it all, they tried to privatise the water and they put yeah. water meters outside people's door. I was involved in that campaign and we won that campaign. But, I mean, for a Labour Party, like, I mean, to promote all those cuts, I mean, like, it was absolutely unbelievable. Well, some would argue with you, John, that maybe not, you know, that there's no party that ever really keeps... Um, its traditions as a you know when it comes to their their values and and their motives when it comes that these things evolve over time and that's what happened with labor but they seem to be punished for that involvement more than anyone else well you see the the thing is like um Pat Rabbit was a famous quotation and still out there somewhere and uh, he said like and then he was asking about the promises that were made well he said sure look that's all they are he said election promises they're just promises in other words like you mean say anything to get the vote, but when you get in, then you just don't deliver, really. And I think that's what happened to the Labour Party. I don't think they'll ever... I think their clothes have been stolen, and I'm not a Sinn Féin supporter, has been stolen by Sinn Féin, they've been stolen by the likes of Solidarity, the Social Democrats, very strong independents like Matty McGrand, Euronic in the woods there, the Healy Rays. I think Labour's day is done. I think they were the next election, I think this year... Like any party that went into that election, and in 2016, that they lost 30 seats. 30 seats. They went from 37 seats down to 30, right? To me, like, and they're not recovering at 3%. I mean, to me, like, I mean, Alan has been very optimistic, really optimistic, saying that they were going to rebuild and stand for something. Labour is finished. Finished. Mm-hmm. Do you think, John, that new Sinn Féin has kind of taken the place of old Labour? Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, they've, they've been working in the ground for years and I think Labour took their eye off the ball. Labour were originally known as the, work, the part of, party of the workers. Yeah. They were, you're not saying working Found it here in Clonmel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing about it, I think they lost their way. I think Eamon Gilmore should never have went into government when he did. He was regarded as the strongest opposition in, in the Dáil at the time. I think if they'd sat out that term, I think the next one coming along, I think they would have made huge gains. But look, it's the age-old story, Alison, look, I mean, like the draw of power was there and the thought of being in government and being a minister and being tarnished as and everything, the pull was too much. But it was a major mistake, like, you know, a major mistake. But uh, I can't ever see the Labour Party recovering ever again. In fact, as I said, repeating, I think they'll be wiped out in the next election, as well as the Greens. You think, the, but then the Greens always have this... Um um, it's kind of a cycle with them. They'll be in government, they'll bring in what they want, mm-hmm. they'll get punished for it, they'll disappear for a while and they'll come back again. Well, I think the last time the Greens were in and you had the banking crisis and everything, but I think it's way different this time because I think the urban water right, and the rural water will punish the Greens because like their decisions are affecting everybody. Like, I mean, I mean, we've been held up as the poster by and poster girl, Alison, uh, to the world, almost on climate change, for a very small little island, right? I mean, we're punching way above our weight as a gas climate, as long as the emissions are being uh, gone through the roof in India, Pakistan, African countries, China, America. And yes, we're supposed to be the poster boys, like, I mean, and the Irish people must suffer and really suffer. They can then be the poster by girl, as I said, for yeah. climate change. I'm sorry, like, I mean, no. So they're finished as far as you're concerned. John, well great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks a million, John. Let Bye-bye. us know what you think. 0833113311. A listener says the Labour Party is absolutely finished in this country. Uh, also another one. Tom. Tom and Dundrum, that's the text of the morning. Well done to you. He says two fellows were discussing the decision to hold uh, the World Cup in Qatar. One said he'd never heard of any good Qatari player. The other said the best one he heard of was Eric Clapton. 
Well done to you, Tom. Text of the morning. Well done. 083-311-3311-1800-938-007. Now, I don't know if you've been watching I'm a Celebrity or not. I think it's been attracting a huge audience this year. Like we've spoken about earlier, the uh, inclusion and involvement of Matt Hancock, I think, certainly adding to that. But the reported figures that each celebrity has been paid to appear on this year's series, uh, they've been shared online. It got underway, of course, on Sunday. And if you, you haven't been watching, the likes who's in it this year, we've by George, we have former footballer Jill Scott, ex-rugby player Mike Tyndall, who's also married to a royal, uh, Kari star Sue Cleaver, DJ Chris Moyles. But some are reportedly being paid far more than others for their stint. Now, although ITV doesn't disclose details of how much they're paid, every year reports circulate about the size of each campmate's paycheck. Now, Tara joins me on the line now. Tara, good morning. Hi, how are you? You've been watching this show for years, Tara, have you? Yes, watching it every year since it started. What are you making of this year's? Um, this year, I think it's it's funny because they, the camp dynamic changed straight away the minute uh, the politician went in the door. It was odd, wasn't it? And I mean, I thought there, it would be a bit more fiery. I thought somebody might have maybe oh, who knows to really they, confront him. I'd say that will come Do you think? come to a head, especially with Boy George. Yeah, because a lot of us can relate to to what hap- what Boy George said. You know, we've had family members or friends that were stuck in hospital during COVID, and we couldn't go see them. And this man was off having a full blown affair and booking into hotels mm. and stuff. But then is Boy so, George in any position to, to criticise someone? I mean, he was involved in a very serious case where was he... I'm not... I can't be sure what he was yeah. charged with, but he held um, a rent boy hostage, essentially, in his house and assaulted him. And he was convicted of that a number of years ago. So was in he any position to kind of criticise anybody? No, and I think that's why both of them were chose for the, the challenge tonight. Yeah, because I think people want to see whether something will be said. Yeah, because um, as you, like by George just turned around and went no, nope, straight away. And as you said, he's in no position. Actually, a lot of them are in no position. That's true. Because even the man that he went in with, I can't think of his name. Sean Walsh, yeah, a very unlikable Sean character. Walsh. Yeah, and he apparently had an affair as well. He actually, you know, said last night, you know, I'm sorry, this, that, and the other thing, and. I was laughing. I was like, hold on now. He's, um, they seem to be okay with him. Yeah, that was a very high profile one when he was in Strictly. Um, he had, yes, a bit I, of an that's affair one thing his... I don't watch is Strictly, but, yeah. um, Tara, um, what do you I make did... of the paychecks? I, mean, I haven't seen the figures involved. Have you seen who's getting paid what? Um, I did. I was looking it up only after I, this sounds very naive, but I thought they were doing it for charity. Right. I actually did. For years, I thought that if they went in and any money that they raised, you know, with people ringing in to vote for them, was actually donated to charity. I oh, didn't Tara, you're it. very naive. I know, aren't I? <laughs> there was me thinking that, you know, that they were doing this for a good reason. Yeah. For years. But it turns out that the money was going straight into their pockets. It wasn't actually going to charity. So, yeah, I didn't actually know that until I read up. But boy, George, I think got 500k for going in he was the most paid yeah and yeah i can see he's going to cause well not cause but he's going to um 
going to be very lively. Yeah, it's not bad for what is it, three weeks work? No, it's definitely not sure. I'd gladly go in there. I would if too. I was going to be given that now. I, I'd I eat whatever they put in front of me for half a minute. I wouldn't do an eating trial now, no. Would you no, not? No, I won't even watch that tonight. I'd be like, no, gone. I love those. <laughs> they're, they're the best. Oh, I love no, them. No, because if they start gawking, then I'm just like, oh, no. Tara, no. can I ask you, uh, just before we wind up, who's been your favourite so far? Um, Is it Mike? Oh, Mike Tyndall, yeah. Mike Tyndall. And the, the, the lady from the Lionesses. Well, yeah, she's been surprising, hasn't she, Jill yeah, Scott? Yeah, I really like her. She's she just seems like um, there's nothing she, she's not going to say no to. You know, yeah. she'll give everything a try, even if she doesn't do it. Mm. And oh, Baba Baba Gundy, he is so funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. He really good. called um, Matt out in his there last night. He was like, "Oh yeah, you got it." <laughs> I must catch up on last night, Tara. Great to talk to you and enjoy it. I'm sure we'll no be talking to you again before the end of the series. Great. Thanks, Thank million. You. All the best. Thank you. Uh, let us know what you think. Are you watching? I'm a celebrity. Will you keep watching it? Let me know. Oh eight three three double one double three double one or eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. Now it is time for this. Tip FM's Match Three game. Tip FM's Match. Three with Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie Okay, it's that time for our match three. Who's joining me on the line? It's Denise O'Sullivan and Barissa Kane. Denise, good morning to you. Hi, Ali. How are you? I'm great. Good to talk to you. You're very cheery this morning. You're in Barissa Kane, are you? I am. Uh, how are things in Barissa Kane? All good. Good woman. You know how to play by this stage, do you? I think I do, yeah. Have you been kind of taking note of the numbers so far? Um, a few numbers. I missed a good few yesterday, but we have a few. Okay, well, let's see how we get on. Pick your first number there for me, so, Denise. Uh, 55. 55. Okay, 55 is a Lavazza Idola coffee pod machine. Okay, so what's the second one then? Uh, 69. 69. Ooh, Denise, that's a Lavazza Idola coffee pod machine. So you, we need one more and you have that coffee machine. What are you giving me for your third number? Oh, God. Um, will we go 100? Go 100, okay. Number, well, we're up to 90. Oh, oh sorry, 90. Uh, we'll go 89. 89. Okay, let me open that box again. Hang on. That is a Samsung Gear 360 action cam, I'm afraid. Okay. That was 89. So sorry about that, Denise. Very close. You almost have that coffee machine. Keep listening, though, throughout the day, okay? Okay. Thanks, Ali. Thanks, Denise. Good luck on that. Thanks a million. So that's two. She almost got that Lavazza coffee machine today. We'll be giving you another chance to play, of course, many chances throughout the day. Stephen will be up next to give you a chance on the lunchtime show. So tune in for that. And good luck to everyone taking part. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Shop online at stakelum.ie. Match 3, win the prize. Tip FM. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on 1-800-938-007. 
Welcome back to Tip Today. It's time to see now what's popular on Netflix as usual. Delighted to be joined by our own Andrew Luby in studio for his recommendations this hey, morning. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? How's great. it going? How's things? Bad. Yeah, great, happy, great. happy Friday and all that kind of stuff. I know, despite the weather. Yeah, we'll it's, try and make um, it as nice as we it's can. Not, it's not always Netflix, but you're right to say it is Netflix today. The uh, three things that we have are on uh, Netflix. Is Netflix the most popular of them? I don't know. It's most I, people seem to do. Personally, I think Disney Plus is the best one. You said that to me before. I really think it uh, is. But then Netflix will come out with some real dingers every so often that you yeah. kind of have to go back to it. Um, the Crown is the big one. Then so the Crown, the Crown is the big one everyone's talking about. I, I, I can't tell you a lot about the Crown. I've never seen the Crown. Haven't you? No, have you? Oh, you'd love it. Would I? Yeah, you would. You'd but I'm going to have to start from the very start then. You will, but you'll enjoy it. Yeah. I, I do think the first season is probably the best one. Okay. And are you stuck in a new one then? Are you? I haven't started it yet now, started. but I will. I, you see, I do find it hard to adjust to the new cast. It takes me a few episodes. I think the new one came out on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, which would be the ninth, wasn't it? Just a couple of days ago. Um, and it's kind of all Diana. I don't know, am I into that? It's all Diana and uh, Charles and... Uh, there was Olivia Coleman that uh, she she played the queen f- the first the time queen. around, didn't she? No, Claire Foy was the first time. Right. Then Olivia Coleman, and now Imelda Staunton. They're all very good by all accounts. Amazing, amazing. Claire Everybody's Foy saying especially. that. Really spectacular. I might, I might, because I've I've finished watching when I was watching, and I might start into. You the would crunch. Do you think it. I'd love it? Yeah, yeah you would. Just see, it's the funny thing about the because look, you know, you'd say to yourself, you don't really care too much about what happens in those circles and all. But but you don't. But I mean, one of the best episodes I think was, uh, and this was the Olivia Coleman was yeah. in this one when they um, portrayed the events at Aberfan, okay, in Wales, yeah, and it was spectacular. It was one of the best episodes of any show I've ever seen. There's a little bit of controversy around it too, because a lot of people are complaining that it's you know it can't all be true. But yet it's based on it. Yeah. Like conversations that go on behind closed doors. you're never going to know those You're never going to know. No. Yeah. But it is, but they say it is based on reports at the time and kind of insider stories. Do you not think that the the Diana one with uh, Charles would be interesting? I don't know. Like, haven't we all gone through it for the past 10 years? Do we have to rehash it again? I think a lot of that one, and of course, again, I'm saying I haven't seen it, but I obviously read up a little bit before I I came to speak to you about it, that I think... um, I think it's it's going to deal with a lot of the media stuff and the, the spotlight from the newspapers, especially in the UK, that were on horror and all of that kind of stuff that went on. So I, I yeah, okay, I'll, I'll I might dip into it over the weekend. But listen, everybody's excited about it. I couldn't speak to you today about Netflix without mentioning The Crown. Mm. It is season five. It came back on Wednesday, and as you rightly said, I think it focuses on Diana and Prince Charles and uh, they're breaking up and all that kind of thing and uh, I'd be interested to know what people think if yeah. they text us and, and if they've seen some of the new ones uh, since Wednesday I know today is only Friday there's a little clip of the uh, season 5 there if you want to give it a quick play okay. give people a feel for it in light of the events of the last 12 months perhaps I have more to reflect on than most family is in genuine crisis. Have royal scandals damaged the country's reputation? The House of Francis should be binding the nation together, setting an example of idealized family life. It's a situation that cannot help but affect the stability of the country. For years, I've called for a more modern monarchy that reflects the world outside. I don't think it's my behavior that's threatening its survival. You, as future king, have a duty. People will never understand how it's really been for me.
One thing that annoys me about it is Dominic West hmm. as Charles. I, I, he's not a good Charles. Is he not, I don't no? think he's too handsome to be Charles. Okay, I'm going to watch some. I, I know. Okay, uh, it's his birthday next week. Actually, Charles, I think he's 73 uh, ha- next happy Monday. Happy birthday, Your Highness! Yes. Um, now, all quiet on the Western. Front. No, listen. This, this is one. I have this on my list for the weekend. Is it worth is, it? It's fantastic. Right. All right. Um, I recommended it to my parents who watched it as well, and I said to them. And I'll say the same to you and anybody who's listening. Like, this is upsetting. It's it's very dark, uh, but it is what it is. And I don't think it's deliberately um, dark. I think they just got it right, now, to be honest with you. So, look, it's the remake of the 1930s movie, originally from uh, the book, uh, considered by many uh, as the greatest war film of all time. I hadn't seen the original, but uh, this is just amazing. And this, I would imagine this has to be better than the original because, of the, you know, we've come... Of course. Like where we've come with, with cinema and all that kind of thing. Um, it is dark. It's upsetting. It's World War I. Um, you see it through the eyes of the Germans, um, which is interesting, actually, I thought. Um, they do subtitles. Uh, our own Pat Pat Murphy here watched it and did the subtitles I'm I've not lost gonna, my husband already on that then no I can't do subtitles no, I don't like either. it but what you can do is you can pop in and you can change uh, the audio to English the only thing about it is even though it's seen through the eyes of the Germans they're speaking with English accents okay. now if you can get over that but then it's like Letters from Iwo Jima then in that okay. regard isn't it that was the movie that was made from the Japanese yeah. perspective yeah. which was amazing it was but I think you do get over it yeah, you know, you kind of suspend your disbelief, like, and you start to, you know, you you get and you kind of pinch yourself from time to time with the accents. You say, "Who am I looking at? Who am I?" But it's pretty much all seen through the eyes of the Germans. Um, and what what it will tell you is that the German guys. I'm not going to give away anything. There isn't a whole lot to give away anyway, because it is what it is. Um, you just feel sorry for everybody. Uh, the German young lads were just the same as anybody else. Yeah. They were being put out there. They were. Uh, you'll see that they're excited about going to war, and you'd say, "Why?" Because it was just an adventure. It was just an adventure. Mm. It's incredible. Since its premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, it's earned critical acclaim as uh, and is Germany's submission for Best International Feature Film for the Academy Awards next year. So Probably that's an interesting uh, one to watch. Do you want to play a clip for it there? Yeah, just give people a it. feel for it. Okay. Yeah. Comrades, soon you will be going home to your parents, wives and children. The war is over. After years of sacrifice and suffering, you can now look forward to your reward. Ah, but comrades, do you want to be welcomed as soldiers and heroes on your return? Or as weaklings and cowards who tucked their tails in when it really counted? Soldiers, we are about to attack them with the utmost force and vehemence. That year belongs in German hands. We will seize the planes before 11 a.m. and end this war with a merciless strike and make them see. We were victorious. Onward with God on our side as he was with our fathers before us. Do you know what I found oh, nice. about that? Yeah, and listen, it just gives you a little bit of a feel of it. And, and the music on that, and when you're listening to, um, to them speaking, I don't know, do you miss the music? It's menacing. Yeah. It's the same menacing music right through it. And it really gives you that kind of just... Are whoa. you just tense then watching the whole thing? Yeah, I don't want to put people off it. I, I think it's fantastic, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's war. It's World War One. It's, 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 it's not fluffy. I, it's certainly not fluffy. And uh, just be ready for that. Uh, I know you've got to go to a break. Uh, David Bowie, yeah, Man Who Changed the World. 
one. On Netflix. Check that out. Uh, all footage of Bowie down through the years. Um, you know, the good and the great, speaking about David Bowie, all that kind of thing. David Bowie, the man who changed the world. On Netflix as well. Um, if you just want to get a break from the serious stuff, it's it's fantastic as well. Okay, here's just a quick clip. I don't believe that there have been really any major artists that have had the creative portfolio that David had. Quite rightly, it was said that the Beatles affected the way young people thought. And I think it's the same with Bowie. Here is one of the people who made the greatest difference in our world in our lifetime. Sounds like a mighty big claim, but it's true. When somebody dies is when you celebrate because they've gone back to be stardust. And I reckon he's stardust. Oh, what a loss. I know, I know. Oh, my God. Andrew, thanks. You're, you're checking out The Crown and I'll check out All Quiet on the Western Front. We'll meet up on Monday. Brilliant. Great. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks, Andrew. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to the Friday panel on Tip Today. Another big news story of the week was, of course, COP27 being hosted at Sharm el-Sheikh. And it was, by any standard, a passionate, moving speech. The Taoiseach urging world leaders to show conviction, clarity, courage and consistency in dealing with the unfolding climate emergency. He said the hand of the future beckons, the clock ticks and we have no time to waste. He added global warming is a stark reality uh, that can only be dealt with by a collective global response. Alison, were you inspired by that? Well, sure, it was just like the previous 26, uh, you know. <laughs> it's the, it's another talking shop and a jaunt when you see Coca-Cola as, you know, the main sponsor and they're all flying in on their private jets and eating the best of beef and, you know, everything like it, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do kind of approach. Look, it's a talking shop. I don't see anything coming out of it, apart from us giving away more money. Um, but I don't know. Look, when you look at the likes of China, who with their output, say their carbon emissions for one day for, is the same as what Ireland's is for a year. Mm. We're at nothing. We're a drop in the ocean. We need to wake up and realise, you know, that we're not one of the world's superpowers. And until the likes of those bigger countries start making some sort of efforts, we're at nothing. You know, we're being penalised as a population all the time. And, you know, they're cutting down the rainforests for cattle. And here they're wanting to lower the numbers and plant more trees. You look at, you know, go into a supermarket, look where stuff is coming from. The whole thing is is crazy. None of it makes any sense. Mm. But it does it raise the profile, though, Connor? Surely that's a good thing, that maybe it shines a spotlight for a week on climate change and we're discussing the issues because it's happening. I don't think that climate change has fallen off the radar. I mean, it's, we've been talking about this since I was in school. I mean, we had 33,000 people attended COP27 took 33 people to fly from 190 countries all over the world to fly into to Egypt to discuss climate change. I mean, the oxymoron of the whole thing is just a shambles. And as Alison has pointed out, China was not at the table. They are the number, they represent 30% of the global emissions. And Russia was not at the table, another 15%. So there we've got the two single countries who combined 
uh, make up for 179 other countries in terms of their output. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is flawed. It's flawed top to bottom. When you haven't got the, the big players buying into it, you're at nothing. But even though we're a small cog, we still have a responsibility, surely. And could we be the role models for how it can be done? No. Because no. even if we stop 100%, we if we change, if we stopped 100% of our emissions, we won't even move the needle. And we've given the house away by having the Green Party and buying into the European system of it. I mean, Germany is the only European country on the top 10 list in globally, and they're number seven. But yet here we are having to cut our herd and having to stop our peat and stop our sugar beet and stop our fishing. And I mean, it, the, the, you have to look at which direction the, 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 the trade is going and where the businesses are going. I don't see Ireland as winning anything out of this. Um, we've lost a lot and it seems that the superpowers in Europe seem to have gained. Noel, what's your take on COP? Do you think it's, it's worthy of, of participation? I do, because if you look at it, okay, there's been a lot of cops, this is number 27, but uh, what it is creating is it's creating a dialogue and it's also creating a network with uh, organisations and institutions. And it's not what the leaders are saying on the particular day that is reported in the news media that matters. It's the next two weeks when the NGOs and the various industries uh, come together. An interesting development, for instance, even this year, is now with the number of satellites we have up there flying around the earth they've developed scientists now have developed a system where they can actually pinpoint very precisely uh, who and what industries and what countries are the major emitters of carbon it's precise science it's no longer guesswork for instance they've discovered some steel plants emit 30 times more carbon than the more efficient ones so there is a drive in industry to become more energy efficient and if, the, if there's one good thing that has come out of the war in Ukraine is that industries are realising uh, the importance of energy efficiency that if they want to survive they have to become more energy efficient. You had a very, uh, Fran had a very interesting guy on, I forget his name during the week, talking about peatlands and bogs. And I got a bit angry listening to Connor uh, being so dismissive of the bogs because I thought he explained it so precisely. That's Frank Alley. Frank, yeah. uh, absolutely, in layman's terms, the important effect bogs have on our carbon sink, that they're a huge carbon sink. And when I hear people saying, well, it doesn't matter what we do. China, that's arguing for your excuses to not take action. We need to take action. We're captain of this ship, Ireland, and we have a responsibility to act in a responsible way towards our planet. I think economically we have to change the way we live. Our economy and most of the Western world's economies are based on this idea of the growth system, that you keep growing, growing every year. How can you consume more and more on a finite planet? If the whole of the world lived the way Western societies lived, we'd run out of resources pretty shortly. I think they have a time clock on it now. I think by June each year, if all of the planet was living the way Western societies lived, we'd have used up the resources for that year. And it's moving back, moving back all the time. And I mean, you'll see even now, uh, they're small steps, but it's the cumulative small steps. I remember in the building industry years ago, you just had one large skip, everything went into it. Now, on a major site, you have maybe 10 or 12 different categories of skips from plastic to timber to block work to this, that and the other. So there's a big emphasis now on recycling. 
and a, uh, but for instance one industry and you Alison mentioned about the Coca-Cola industry I mean it's a massive producer of plastic bottles mm. and there isn't a notion in the world that hasn't a Coca-Cola bottle in it and it's just one of many industries I mean plastic is the big thing and its use that needs to be challenged and people walking around supermarkets if they're listening to this just throw your eye the over the amount is, of plastic though, you, you put stuff into the recycling bin right yeah. and it'll go to the centre and your intention and only about good. 8% of that is recyclable exactly. 8% of it so it comes back to this we need to ban the use of plastic and people of an older generation like me will remember uh, in the 1960s plastic didn't exist you had your message bags which were made of hemp and, and canvas and so on the alternatives are there mm. uh, to do this uh, but we don't want to embrace them because we want to continue living the way they are and I have a grandchild and I'm thinking I'm 62 and I wonder what type of a world will she be living when she's 62 Mary Robinson had the same experience and I get more and more angry at the lack of action being taken even in this town by people or government uh, well I think individuals have to take responsibility but I think we need to be challenging governments and, and you can see that young people in the England at the moment are the stop aisle group are getting up on motorways and halting traffic and people are getting angry with them but they're doing it to saying you can't keep digging aisle out of the ground where are we going we won't have a future but is that the right way of doing it when you're well as everybody. they would make the point they have done the petitions they've done the talking still the institutions are not taking action and as Gandhi would say you have a moral responsibility to engage in civil disobedience when there is a greater moral cause involved and the greater moral cause is the saving of humanity through saving our planet at the moment. Alison, I thought of you this week when Eamon Ryan was looking for permission to kind of have carte blanche over there that he could sign Ireland's rights away to anything. And I said, oh, Alison, I'll have but something to say about that. They have carte blanche. They do whatever they like anyway. Money is God. That's, you know, where we're going. Just if I say before I go on to that, mm. say in relation to the plastic bottles, Coca-Cola was the biggest sponsor of COP27. Mm. Mm. Like, there was no one was pulling, none of the, the big greats that were there were pulling Coca-Cola up. Mm. To be honest, the whole thing is a farce. And we go on, do uh, I went in to buy, a couple, say, a couple of loads of blocks from my local supplier there last week, and he said to me, see all those blocks over there, they're all from Lithuania. I was speaking to a forester this morning on my way here. They're finding it very hard to be able to clear fell trees here. We have the resources here, but we're flying them all over the place. We're blaming cattle for everything, but yet we're not taxing airplanes. The whole thing is an absolute joke. Like, we may talk about it all we like, but the left hand, is, you know, is doing completely different to the right. So to say, you know, we need to do this and that and the other, to be honest, like, it's science unfortunately now is not a given whereas before there was such integrity with science now there's so much manipulation with science because there's so many grants being given for this that and the other that you know findings are being manipulated and like look at Al Gore say with all his advice on the planet we all should have drowned two years ago you can find so, so are you waters. a climate denier Alison well to be honest I think we're massive climate pollute I think as a human race we mm. are huge polluters I am um, 
I think the, the earth is going to change anyway. We have no control over it. Mother Nature will decide for us. We can do what we like. We can maybe change things slightly, but we are not the boss. We're not in control. Look at us. If you look at the sky on any clear day, they're there, the flight path, everything. You know, they're trying to now manipulate the weather. Like, leave things alone. I think that's part of what we need you to do. You mean you want to continue as we are, throwing more petrol onto the fire? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying go back to basics. Why are we bringing in, say, wood from Lithuania mm. when we've got our own supplies mm. here? Why can't we go back to basics? That's what I'm saying. I'm not Such saying... As. Such as use our own, say, um, use our own our own resources. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why are we exporting peat to Germany for it to come back here again? Mm. It's ridiculous. And we're being sanctioned for this, that and the other. Absolutely. Like common sense will tell you that that's crazy. You know, and I think also the, the biggest challenge we have now is we don't have alternatives. We have so you've mentioned that we have, we used to have hemp bags and canvas bags for our, for our shopping, but I mean economically plastic is a fraction of the cost, mm. so people don't feel like it's an alternative. So yeah, when, when you want to move people out of their cars and you want to take them off the roads, give them an alternative fuel source. I still have to commute to work, mm. but penalising me because I had to drive a diesel car over uh, instead of some the hippy dippy electric car. Mm. I mean that is powered by a diesel generator station. I mean ultimately is flawed logic. And the mining so that's been done. Give people a real. Uh, give people a real alternative. Uh, we won't pick on mining now, Alison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to give you an example, to give you an example, for instance, in the last 30 years, the cost of solar panels has come down 96%. Uh, and it, we'll all remember the early days when video players came in and the various pieces of technology, how expensive they were. So you have to reach that scale of mass production. I mean, we could... we could basis of, of, of scale, though, because the alternative is, where does energy come from? And you're going to make up this. You can't just generate electricity from uh, uh, because oh, I'd like to have a battery, so it'll just be filled with electricity. Mm. I understand the scale and the economics yeah. of the, of the mm. process, mm. but to say that how am I going to power these battery-powered cars? Mm. It, we I, well, I, I think plan. we. I, I seriously think we have to use the motor car less and see it as a vehicle for literally only essential journeys. Like, uh, if you go to a lot of European cities, and, and, and particularly even the commonest era countries, their underground network of rail services and the works, it's such an efficient... I remember rushing down an escalator one day and seeing the train pull away. I said, oh, God, I'll be waiting. But they're coming in every five, seven minutes and moving. We haven't developed that infrastructure that, that enables people and empowers people, particularly in major urban centres, to get out of their cars. I can guarantee you if people had a choice uh, in travelling in Dub Dublin, Limerick or any city here they'd use um, they use the in bus. In rural areas, you've no choice. Yeah, like Germany. Yeah. Germany has Germany has reduced the cost of travelling now on public transport down to one euro forty cents. That's yes. the cost, because no matter where you're. Because they've given an alternative. They have, yeah. have the alternative. And, even and we're when not they, going to have the alternative. Even, they, even when they give you the alternative, they haven't built the capacity, as they've discovered in buses. You had the whole debate there in September about school buses. But you also have, as, as parents, like um, literally as a former teacher, if some parents could drive in the front door of the school with their kids, they'd drive in. Now, I know there's parents probably screaming right now at Noel Buckley and saying, the weight of the books. And that's true. Again, the book companies manipulated it. When I started teaching in 85, we'd say the three-year course, junior cycle course, you had a, a separate history book for first year, separate for secondary, secondary year and third year and so on. Now they've all amalgamated into one, which makes it a pretty big tome. Yeah. And... Um, you know, but again, that's arguing for an excuse. You don't see people going to Dublin Airport carrying a heavy 
rucksack on their back weighed down with it they have the roller wheels there's alternatives around and um, like you'll see some schools now they have what's called the cycling bus where adults have taken responsibility where they guide kids through the roads but again we need to put in the road structure I saw I was cycling in Copenhagen you had no fear or worry as a cyclist about a car or a truck coming in at a junction and and collapsing on you or whatever or pinning you to a wall because there's a very definite separate cycle structure where they'd have to come over a curb to come into your space and we have a reluctance and you can see the amount of protest when uh, the whole thing is about taking cars off the road it always feels it's being introduced at the expense of something else. else yeah. And that's the problem mm. I think people yeah. have with Well, this. I think it's about priorities. Uh, as in urban spaces, we need to have as a priority the building of capacity, both in infrastructure and in terms of buses and trains, to uh, enable people to travel by public transport. And I would argue at this stage it's such a challenge to have it free. Mm. Uh, so that you encourage people to get out. If I know I can hop on a train or a bus and be an X spot in X time, as again, sitting in a queue of traffic yeah. and, and gambling that the traffic won't be that heavy this morning or there won't be an accident on the motorway. It's about but, having those services. Yeah, and the same too. in rural Ireland. I know people in rural Ireland are saying they don't have the choice. But again, why should rural Ireland be deprived of an adequate bus service? that travels pretty frequently. Population, uh, population. But look at even Clonmel here. If students are going down to WIT in Waterford or, LIT or Limerick um, UL, there's a train service all the way to both of those places. But... No, there's not. You have to change the Limerick Junction. I know, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. There is there is a crazy system. Waterford, for instance, my daughter, when she was working in Maynooth, could get a train down from Maynooth on a Friday, but there's no train service out of Clonmel on a Sunday. Mm. That's what I mean by priorities. The government think and the government policy, they're talking, as Alison said, out of one side of their mouth, but they're not developing the infrastructure to make it happen. It's fine having big ideas. Somebody needs to sit down and say, how do we translate these? And you are going to have to challenge the vested interests, the oil, the motor, fact, motor uh, all of those. They're big vested interests and their ability to manipulate public debate is huge. And Alison has highlighted the very fact Coca-Cola is sponsoring this COP. The coal company sponsored the previous one. It's all an attempt to manipulate and control the final decision making. Okay. It is. And can I just put yeah. one point? Like, in 2011, 2012, there was a big push for a metro in Dublin. Yeah. My greatest fear, it's not about people paying 140 or having it for free. Look at this, the price now for the children's hospital. It's still not finished. We're heading for three billion. And if we were to put a metro into Dublin, which has been spoken about for many years, we're talking billions altogether. So the thing is, the government are there giving contracts to people and if they're just far out of reach, you look at Spain, they've built a hospital for Irish people in such a short space of time. And we are still messing about in the wrong place, building the children's hospital, which is another argument entirely. But it's still not finished. And it's, you know, with BAM, who most people wouldn't go near. So, like, they're doing what they like and they're making a aims of it. Okay, we'll leave it there. On the way back, uh, what we're going to talk about is should the World Cup be boycotted? Also, is it too early to start talking about Christmas and putting up decorations? We're back after this. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Now, our next topic is on the World Cup. After that row, and Alison's after telling us all something, now we're going to be falling down rabbit holes on YouTube for the night. So thanks for that, Alison. But the World Cup now is our next one. The awarding of the 2022 FIFA World Cup to Qatar created several concerns and controversies. And that's regarding both Qatar's suitability as a host country and the fairness of the FIFA bidding process. Criticism from several media outlets, sporting experts and human rights groups highlighted problems such as Qatar's limited football history, the high expected cost, the local climate and Qatar's human rights record. Several FIFA members have also since gone on record saying the decision to award the tournament to Qatar was a mistake. Connor, I know, look, like myself, you're not a huge soccer fan, so it probably is not going to make that much difference to you. But on a moral standpoint, do you think people should switch off? Look, I don't think anything that's been raised now was unknown when they were awarded the, the World Cup. I mean, I think probably what, what, I suppose it's been so long ago since they've got it, I mean, what probably wasn't anticipated is the rise of the alternative sides and the rise of people's rights uh, being an issue. I mean, I think uh, Qatar has always been hot. Mm. They have always had their same Muslim Sharia laws. I mean, that they've always had those. Um, I think probably it's more emphasised now because of the corruption in FIFA and soccer uh, as a whole. I mean... We're going down the route now again of politicising sport. Um, I know it's thrown around a lot, but I mean, the reality is this sport is a business. It, it's nothing about sports like GAA is, is these days anymore. So I think I, I think it's not going to be very effective or it's a bit too late now to be raising the flag about what about Qatar? I mean, they should have been looking at this eight years ago and saying, well, an alternative venue should now be selected. Mm. Um, they're too far down the road to, for it to be, to be effective in my view. But should fans take a stand and switch off? I don't think it's the right thing to do. I mean, if you have got your national pride and, and joy on uh, on display there and fighting for national your national flag, I mean, why would you not support them? I mean, they've gone through four years of competitions to get to this stage and now to then throw it away and say, actually, because of a bad decision made by FIFA 10 years ago, I'm now going to punish my team and not support mm. them. Alison, should players take a stand and say, well, we're not taking part in something like this? I don't know if they actually can. You know, say from their contracts, contracts yeah. um, contractually, I don't know if they can. <laughs> what I found very, say, stark this morning was when you were speaking with Peter and he said an average of 12 people dying a day, a day. building the stadium. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's a complete, that's not spoken about at all, you know, but to be honest, you know, this has been pushed. There's an awful lot of people who are anti it, but you've got the likes of David Beckham, Gary Neville, all of them who are, you know, say going to be there and who are pushing it for quite a long time. And Gary Neville was pulled up on it and he says, oh, I'll say things when I'm there. And what good is that? I'm using it as a platform to raise the issues. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) rubbish. But like the thing is, it all boils down to money. It's a bit reminds me slightly a bit of the new golf league, you know. Yeah. Say that um, it's all, everything's boiling down to money. Mm. It's all about money, and I think it's, you know, they're not even that. Say that side of the world isn't in, interested in soccer really. Yeah. Um, not just Qatar itself. Um, 
I wouldn't like to go there. I'd be afraid to go there as a woman. Um, like I was in Lille for the Euros in 2016 and a fabulous time, absolutely excellent. If it was, you know, in France or the UK or Germany, I definitely think we'd have it's because it's nearly like a European, a South American kind of championship, yeah. you know, say America oftentimes might have a team, but they're, you know, like we, it's I think it is wrong. But look, it's all about the powers that be. And it was a vote. It was a decision. FIFA do what they like anyway. There's been huge controversies with Seth Blatter, etc. over the years, closer to home, Delaney here, like They've got away with doing what they like, so they're going to continue. And it is all about the money, as far as I'm concerned. Noel, are there, are there any morals or ethics left in anything anymore? Should we just <laughs> suck it up and look, this is the way it is now. And whoever the highest bidder will always get it. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, people at the time when it was announced were absolutely shocked. Your ordinary pundit on the street was saying, what in God's name have? But as Alison said, it was about the money. And when I hear FIFA members saying, oh yeah, it was the wrong decision, they damn well knew that at the time. But money allowed them to manipulate uh, and, and get the outcome they wanted. And it is frightening. I mean, uh, the the number of lives that have been lost by the Indian community and others who have worked there. Uh, this has been built on the blood of workers with very few human rights and literally modern 21st century slavery has made this possible. And you have now powerful countries, some of them the oil-rich countries, who are using their money to buy influence in the West because it's the Western lifestyle they aspire to. And if you go to certain sections of Dub or London, you'll see the Russian oligarchs and the Arabs own whole sections, whole streets and nearly some of them gated at this stage. And we've allowed that to happen as a society where uh, the citizens of London are excluded from certain areas as a result because of money, because of power. And, um, you know, when I look back as a historian to the French Revolution, uh, the Ancien Regime, the nobles had all the power and the church had all the power and all the advantages and all the privileges. And nobody saw the revolution coming but it will take a straw somewhere. The last straw broke the camel's back. And somewhere between climate change and that level of corruption at a democratic level, somewhere along the way, uh, something will happen that will snap. And we've seen that in countries at various times. Who would have predicted in the late 80s that Eastern Europe would fall so quickly? Mm. because it was seen as impossible with the power of Russia and the satellite states of, of, of Russia. And yet in the space of three to four weeks... The people turned and said, we've had enough. And I think it's coming to that stage around the world where people are beginning to say, we've had enough. Here in Ireland, I'm just amazed young people are staying so quiet, re our housing crisis. I just can't understand mothers and fathers and children and young people not standing up and saying, we've had enough. I think they have said that, but they're just not being listened. But we have uh, the only way when you're not being listened to, when you're not, when you, uh, the only way is get out on the streets and start uh, making your presence felt. The governments listen, and we saw that with the water charges at the time. Uh, they believed they could railroad them through, and while I would have been okay with paying a, a nominal water charge, uh, but I didn't. I agreed with them in the sense that we shouldn't allow a private company to own our water services. And ordinary people got up and got on the streets, and the government were forced to backtrack. That's the only way, and, and there's a formula for it. You need a certain percentage of the population to get out in the street to change government policy.
because the government will always have uh, be be more willing to listen to the ear of the powerful than the ordinary person and the only way the ordinary person can amplify their voice to outshout the powerful is by being on the street okay <coughs> moving on now to our final topic this morning and that is is it too early to start talking the big c word and putting up decorations i was amazed i was driving around the county a lot this week saw a good few christmas trees i have to say connor do you have yours up not yet, but I'll, not do, I'll yet. dust it off soon. <laughs> what wait, what what time are you looking at putting it up? Do you uh, think? I think I think early December would be the yeah. would be the would be the the go time for it. That wouldn't change for you. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it, it's great to see some people get into spirits so early. I mean, we've had a tough couple of years. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with people having some nice decorations up, especially the dark, wet, miserable nights that we have now at the moment. I mean, why would you not want to see a little bit of joy out there? I must say, I think the Christmas music has started a lot earlier this year than in previous years. What about you, Alison? Have you decorations up? No, I'd be kind of 8th, 8th of December. Kind oh, of right. Moment. Yeah. You're very traditional. Yeah, so you keep well, it I kind of think it can be too long as well. Yeah. And I think with kids too, the anticipation, mm. it's just, you know, um, I think it's nice to have it that bit shorter. Now, look, each to their own. It really doesn't, doesn't bother me. I do wonder with the cost of electricity, yeah. are we going to see these displays at houses, you know, as much as we have done in previous years? Because somehow, I'd say the electricity bills after... Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Would you be one for the big outdoor displays now? No. No. <laughs> no. No, say a Christmas tree, few decorations around the house, that's kind of as good as it gets. Look, say, maybe... Like I suppose you gather a little bit more every year, don't you? Yeah. And so that you know maybe with time could get a little bit more, but no, I'd be fairly conservative with my displays. Right. Well, classic. I'd put oh, it now. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what if I could imagine you up on the roof now, putting up your massive Santa, <laughs> <laughs> your lighting displays. How about where are you fixed on? on uh, well, I, I'd be like most people around the table. It would be the eighth of December. Uh, I, I think we have lost our appreciation of the seasons and the anticipation. I mean, m- most people. People will remember how you'd be longing for Christmas and longing for the taste of turkey and longing for the bright lights and so on because they only went up the week or two before Christmas whereas everything seems to blend the minute Halloween is over the commercial world is already marketing in fact Brown Thomas started their Christmas in September yeah, uh, which is absolute madness but remember uh, there are two types of Christmas there is the commercial Christmas and they will push their message because there's money to be made on it and then there's the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of Christmas is about people coming together meeting each other sharing stories remembering the year gone by for some people Christmas is a very sad time because Mm -hmm. they're also remembering the empty chair the person that was there celebrating with them last Christmas and as Connor said I suppose is this our second or third Christmas now it's going to be the first Christmas hopefully where people can come together last Christmas in my own family we had all planned to come together but unfortunately some of my family got Covid and that put pay to that so everybody had to stay in their own house and uh, numerous families around Ireland had that experience last Christmas so I think that will be the great source of joy this Christmas to be able to come together to be able to meet and I think if Covid taught us anything 
they're the things that are really important about Christmas. Connor, would you be concerned though that maybe it has brought us back, like COVID did bring us back to basics in terms of what's important in life, but could it have the opposite effect of Christmas whereby we think, well, we, you know, it was quiet for the last couple of years, so let's just go mad this Christmas. I think that's going to be the fear. I think even last year was a little bit of that as well too. I mean, walking the streets of Dublin last Christmas, it was literally shoulder to shoulder, queuing to get into shops. Mm. Um, I think the Irish do love to splurge. I mean, the Celtic Tiger era and all that, this madness of flying to New York and everything else. I mean, I think that will be the case. There is a lot of money in Ireland and there is a lot of wealth in Dublin. And I think you will see the big cities will uh, see huge, huge spending, huge spending. But we'll still see people marginalised, uh, unfortunately. But I think uh, definitely Irish are not afraid to splash out for Christmas. Are you all sorted for Christmas, actually? Can I ask that? Not a whole... Nothing done. No. Right, OK. I've actually chosen I the easy route better. this year. We're actually not spending Christmas in Ireland this year. We're going Wait, abroad for it. Are you? Yes. Like sunny? Sunny, yeah. Oh, hot Christmas. It's not yeah. the same, but it's going to be a hot Christmas. It'd be better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you did you want to say? You can't beat the misery on Christmas morning of uh, defrosting the winds dream. Yeah, and, uh, I, 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 just think, uh, I just think, you know, even if you compare it over the last 40 years, everybody has so much now in Ireland. I mean, people need only take a look around their houses. They're so cluttered. I mean, the greatest gift you can give somebody now for Christmas is your time of coming together. Coming but we to- like stuff, Noel. We like stuff, but uh, even doing things together, getting out for walks and uh, uh, gatherings and music sessions and so on, I think they're the real thing. And uh, we have a policy in our family where we get a token gift because we all have enough. And it's the coming together, like I, a tradition in our family, some of us, we all, we're always up on a mountain for the last sunset of the year. Aww. You know, and we've been doing that since 1999. That's lovely. Uh, I remember last year, we had, uh, it was, uh, the weather was bad, but we had a whiskey above on top of the mountain and sharing stories and remembering the year gone by. I feel like I should have played music under that. Yeah. I'll <laughs> that. join him this year. Yeah, you're welcome, we'll, go. <laughs> well, I have to leave it there for this morning. A huge thanks to my panel, to Alison Devere Hunt and Noel Buckley as well, and to Conor O'Brien. That's it for this morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Emma on production. Uh, Frank Curry is back with you on Monday from 9. We'll also be giving you another chance to win in our match three. That's coming up in the lunchtime show with Stephen and also in the afternoon as well with Owen. Until Monday, though, have a great weekend whatever you're doing do it well and take care Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie